Hello, and welcome back. You're joining us today for our 17th episode of Opportunity Thrives. I'm your host, Jason Mitchell. And on this show, we are committed to better supporting the needs of today's secondary students. So through interviews with students, teachers, administrators, technologists, and education influencers, we want to understand what's working in our schools today, what's not, and how we can have positive and lasting change. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on our show. Please click in the podcast notes to leave us a review, to provide your input, or just send us questions. You can also reach out to us at info at opportunitythrives.com. We know that education leaders are doing all that they can to ensure the safety of our students for many districts. That has meant starting off the year in a fully virtual learning program. In fact, as of September 2nd, 73% of the nation's 100 largest school districts have opted for remote learning only as their back-to-school instructional model. And that means that more than 8 million students in our urban city centers are learning solely online this fall. And as we all learned this past spring, building relationships with our students is more critical than ever, and it's more challenging. So today, we're going to spend some time with our guest to discuss how her district is planning to provide opportunities for educators and students to connect in a meaningful way. Join me in welcoming Carrie Torres, the Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services in the Brea Olinda School District in Orange County, California. With more than two decades of experience in education, Carrie has prioritized student success and has found that digital curriculum supports intervention and remediation to keep students on track. It's so wonderful to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us, Carrie. Thanks so much for having us. Brea is awesome. <laughs> of course, that's our pleasure. So, Gary, let's dive right in. Just to start off, could you share a little bit more about the students that you serve throughout your district and what your plans are for this fall to give our, our listeners a little bit more context? Absolutely. So, Brea um, is a small city. We are located in North Orange County, California. Um, we sit in a corridor um, that borders um, L.A. County, and we serve about 6,000 students um, when we closed our doors last year, and we opened this year at 6,052 students. And so we have a wide range of students that we serve. Um, we are about 30% Hispanic, Latino, 30% um, Caucasian, and 30% Asian um, with some mixed other. Um, so we are a diverse community. Um, about 9.6% of our population are English learners, um, and those are typically actually not necessarily our Spanish speakers, but we have a wide variety of languages represented here in Brea, everything from um, Tagalog to Korean, Chinese, um, and of course, Spanish. So again, just representing that great diversity of Southern California. 31% uh, of our students are recognized as uh, low income or socioeconomically disadvantaged which presents its own special challenges and unique needs during this particular time um, that we're experiencing in the pandemic. And then 15% of our students are in a special education program uh, receiving specialized services for students with unique needs. Um, so that's kind of who we are in a nutshell. We have about 275 certificated teachers um, that work with our students. Great. That's a great overview. Thank you for that. Carrie, we know that online learning looks different, and this year is certainly going to be different than any year that we've ever experienced before. But do you believe that there are opportunities to learn how to connect with students in a different way through digital curriculum? 
Absolutely. In fact, um, we here in Brea, and again, I sit in North Orange County, um, California, we all opened in distance learning. So all of our districts, like you mentioned in your opening, we really are part of that 73% that decided to place our students online. And while we did that out of the safety and security and wellness of students, you know, we also had reservations about that because, you know, one of the things about educators and teachers is that we live our lives to build connections with students. That's what we're about. That's why we're in the business. We love being with kids. And so we had some concerns about that. Just how does this all look? And, you know, how are we going to maintain that relationship and connection piece, which is so important? And one of the things I can say with confidence is our teachers here in Brea are doing a great job with that. It is still possible to maintain um, those relationships, even though they are looking different this year and how we connect with students looks different this year. But we are finding ways to, to do that. Um, on a daily basis. And in some cases, I would say we're even doing a better job with some of our most unique populations. Um, And we're seeing that through different ways that we're exercising flexibility of learning, flexibility and use of our time, and the creation of uh, learning pods or learning hubs um, that are occurring in different school districts. Um, And Brea is also, um, you know, starting their year taking a look at learning pods. There are, there are, there have definitely been some silver linings from that, but I want to build upon a word that you, you used a couple of times and that was flexibility. So do you think that there's benefits to the flexibility of the technology and the, and from the student's perspective so that they can select time, pace, path, place of their learning? Um, absolutely. So that has been a silver lining. Um, while we have faced many challenges in distance learning, just in general, you know, and with wellness and everything with what's going on with the pandemic, this has been a silver lining for a group of our students because one of the things we're finding is you have two groups of kids. You know, historically we had kids who wanted to be online for different reasons, and that's how we partnered with Apex years ago was really to meet a different need. And today we are meeting a need for all of our students. And the flexible learning environment is important because students and families right now are dealing with anxiety and stress that they have not experienced in the past. None of us who are walking around educating kids right now have experienced a pandemic until now. So 2020 has brought many challenges for us. And that flexibility is so important because families need to craft their life around a different type of family environment as well. And students are dealing with this at different levels. And so being able to have access to digital curriculum and content that's relevant and rigorous, that meets their needs, that's available during the day, of course, with teachers who are willing to check in and support, but also allows them to log in later and have that confidence to be able to work through it on their own time has really been able to allow some families to take a deep breath and some of our students to take a deep breath. Um, especially at the secondary level, when you think of working with, you know, six or seven different content areas, kids can really set their own pace. And we're seeing some success with that, especially uh, with our independent study program. That's great to hear. I'm, I'm so glad that, that it's working well for so many students. Um, you're an administrator and I've spoken with other administrators and I feel like there's this really delicate balance balancing act that they're they're doing they're sort of navigating the understanding or the need to be understanding and compassionate for students as well as hold them accountable for their work how how is your district maintaining that balance 
Yes, it is a delicate balance because we have um, emotions that are running really high, you know, with students and families at this point in time. Families are facing not only their education being challenging, but their family lives and their, again, going back to that health and wellness piece, um, which really results in socio-emotional learning uh, elements that we need to stay connected to. Um, And so we are holding students accountable by really creating those personalized relationships. So in California, we have um, the California Department of Education who's really focused their energy on ensuring that students are engaged. They want to. They want us to demonstrate how are students engaging daily. You know, that, that goes beyond attendance because, as you know, kids could log into a class and, and not participate or do anything, but how are we really engaging them? So we're holding students accountable by having these daily check-ins and being able to connect with a teacher or a counselor or someone who has a relationship with a student to see how they're doing. And then if they're not completing their work, it's not timely, they're struggling with it, we're inviting them to participate in what we're calling, you know, at-risk learning pods or opportunities for learning pods. So bringing in small groups of students, three to four kids at a time, to be able to work through their issues and challenges, to support them, to hold them accountable. Um, This isn't something they have to participate in daily because, again, we're providing that flexible learning environment, but we're setting up dates and times with kids to say, do you want to come in Tuesdays and Thursdays? Do you want to come in the morning and afternoon? You know, what works for you so we can help you get through the content? So we're really trying to determine what the issues are with the students to find out why potentially they wouldn't be, you know, completing their work. And for those that are on task and are on track and are holding themselves personally accountable and moving through the content, we're also looking for incentivizing that type of work so that we can reward students and recognize them, especially at the secondary level, um, for being on pace with their learning. Um, but it's it's ever it's like ever changing, you know, because kids come and go and they're it's like this ebb and flow of emotion that keeps them connected and then disconnected, connected, disconnected. So it's daily work. It certainly is. In your previous comment, the first word that you used of the, the role of the district was to build relationships. And I've seen districts use a variety of strategies. Um, some districts have different communication channels. They have teachers checking in with students on a daily basis. They have them providing feedback, or maybe um, they have to respond within 24 hours after submission. Um, some teachers are even offer- <laughs> Some teachers are even offering office hours. Did you all establish specific policies for teachers? Um, let me rephrase that. Did you all establish policies for teachers and how they will communicate with students? And within those communications, what are your expectations for your teachers? Yes, we did a lot of planning work with our teachers because, like I started off, we were really concerned, right, about maintaining that relationship piece, the accountability component on students and losing our grip on what we normally have with students when they're face-to-face with us on a, on a regular schedule. So we planned over the summer with our teachers and we built a schedule, an academic bell schedule that supported office hours and those daily connections. So we have time built into our schedules at the end of our school day for teachers to check in on engagement follow up with kids. And then we have one day a week where we have teachers who can hold, they're holding office hours so students can pop in and out. And then that next level of intervention, if that's not working for kids or that's not focused, you know, it's not focusing them in the right direction, then we have our counseling team and other professionals that are surrounding kids and providing um, wrap services um, to be able to address those needs. But it's really been a collaboration with our teacher group because they're our first line. And of course, like 
any school, you know, teachers are the ones who have the best relationship with students. Boy, are you right about that. Teachers are the one. And, and I want to dig in a little bit deeper on that because a lot of districts have struggled if they went fully remote or they started fully remote. Um, how are they getting their teachers up to speed and ready to teach virtually? How did you all do that? Well, that is definitely a challenge that many of us has, have faced. But one of the things we attempted to do early on, we we in California went on distance learning um, March, I believe, um, the week of March 13th is when the, our governor sh- basically suggested we shut down. Um, and so we, on March 16th, opened our doors uh, to teachers, shut down for students and told our teachers, we need to start training. We need to get you prepared. So we created a series at the time of 42 different webinars to teach our teachers different platforms that we could use to provide for their instruction. So we had everything from Pear Deck to SAMR model to um, Seesaw to Google to Zoom. So we had all these different webinar topics to show how your learning management system could work so that we can incorporate products like Apex into that, into that um, delivery system. And that was optional for teachers to pop into these trainings. So we knew that they were really stressed and overburdened with the oper- just operationalizing what this looked like. So we put it out there as a menu for teachers to grab. And then over summer, we crafted more trainings. And then we here in our district had two teacher preparation days prior to the start of school that allowed teachers to come in and again, connect their technology, troubleshoot, gather ideas, problem solve with their grade level partners or their discipline specific areas to support them as we roll through this. And right now in Brea, we are in week four of distance learning and we are all surviving here and we're surviving at different levels. Um, But I applaud our teachers for learning things like how to, you know, use the SAMR model to redefine and modify the old, what we used to do in the old way and convert that into a new model of learning for students. But it hasn't been without work, frustration, challenge. Um, but then there's also been tremendous innovation and success. Yeah, there certainly has. We've seen some really in, in, incredible innovations in this time. Um, when it comes to mindset of, of teachers, have your teachers been receptive to this new style of teaching and these new programs? We have seen um, reactions across the board. You know, a lot of our teachers are focused on what they've, how they've always taught. You know, one of the great things about education is while content comes in and out, you know, and it's modified, you know, over time, our teaching and who we are as teachers tends to stay the same. You know, we, our core person and who we are, our love of kids, our thoughts on how we deliver instruction tends to stay the same. Even although we bring in new pedagogy strategies, our spirit and our philosophies tend to stay the same. And this has really challenged a lot of our teachers. So I have teachers on all ends of the spectrum. I have those that raised their hand and signed up and said, can I do this permanently? I would love to be part of the digital learning system in Brea moving forward. And then I have others who have been, you know, the early adopters who said, I'm willing to learn. Just give me some tools. And I have others who have put their their feet in the sand and are struggling to, to walk through that. And so we are trying to meet everyone where they're at and trying to build, a, a you know, an environment to share with our teachers that while this may not be their perfect environment, it is the environment that we're working in right now. And what are the tools that we can give you to in, be able to engage in this environment and allow students to access their learning 
And, um, you know, Apex as a product has always been able to do that for us. And it's been a huge benefit to us at this point in time as we're getting teachers' minds wrapped around that content, especially at our independent study program and at our, our comprehensive high school. You talked about the, the 42 different webinars that you rolled out, some of the different tools, the opportunities for um, training to get teachers ramped up. When you were going through those trainings, what were some of the hurdles that came up um, and, and how did you navigate those different challenges? I think one of the biggest challenges we faced is this, it's teachers were drinking from a fire hose, right? You've heard that statement where it's just so much information is coming at you and with teachers having different capacities, personal capacities with technology, you had you had some teachers that you know were flying by the seat of their pants, others who were pretty confident, others who said, I've already been doing some of this, I've had a flipped classroom, I'm good. So, you know, navigating that was really um, we approached it like discipline by discipline, grade level by grade level, because we really needed to focus on those individual teachers, much like we talked about building relationships with students and monitoring that individual. Mm-hmm. student learning. We did the same thing with teachers and they just, they, there was so much out there. They just were almost overwhelmed with the amount of information that was out there that they could grab. So they really had to filter through it and only learn, you know, small pieces at a time, you know, and right. that worked for many of our teachers. Let me learn zoom first. Let me learn Google meets first. Okay. Now me, let me learn pair deck next, you know? And so it just became this layer upon layer upon layer and um, everybody was on their own timetable. So that was good, though, because they recognize that. And we have five instructional coaches in our district who support teachers who would go out and do that one-on-one training with teachers as they needed it. Right. And part of that challenge was everybody had different circumstances at home, too. I mean, I have a friend who's a teacher who has five kids at home and mm-hmm. was teaching their own kids and trying to learn this new way of teaching as well. There's there's certainly a lot of challenges in that. Absolutely. Um when you think about some of the resources that you have provided to your students and their families, um, what's been helpful for them as they're learning and trying out these new virtual programs? We've tried to um, share with our families, you know, we had some parent webinars as well, because while parents understood, um, you know, what, what we were facing, you know, this was a statewide shutdown. This was a, you know, a district, you know, a district and county mandate based upon our county health and wellness. And parents really struggled. We had people on all ends of the spectrum, parents who wanted us back in school, parents who didn't want us back in school. And we're still facing that today. So we had to do some presentations. We provided information. We did parent webinars just to let them hear us and let them ask questions um, and kind of be a part of the planning process. We've done a lot of surveys to get more information from our parents, just to really try to provide context for them um, so that they understood where we are and what our dilemmas were, our challenges, our mandates, and then our philosophy and desire in terms of educating kids. But I would agree with you that, you know, as, as we went through this, there's just so many challenges for parents, you know, that, that don't understand, that struggle with technology in general with struggle with online apps, like, you know, our poor kids, they want to support them, but do they know how, right? And so that's been this ongoing work. And we launched our school year this year, just with one basic training. And now we're moving forward with creating additional parent trainings to get us through. And our next step is also um, just cybersecurity with everything that we're dealing with out there, having your kids online more than we probably ever imagined. We just need to ensure that our kids are safe. Absolutely. We're looking at student safety in a whole new way. Correct. 
Um, all right. So he, you have a chance to, to fly the flag of, of the work that you and your district have done. That's so great. What have you done? Like, what did you guys get right? What did you do that, that has worked really well? Um, I think what we've gotten right is we've taken our time. You know, one of the things that we didn't do is we didn't rush into extreme models of learning or teaching. We tried to stop and reflect. So in the midst of chaos, when, you know, you're closing down a school and you're switching instructional models, it's really dramatically different. We tried to take a deep breath to plan. So we had originally started with distance learning, like I mentioned, on March 16th was our first day where students and teachers were kind of transitioning. And we actually started on March 19th. And then we gave teachers about three weeks just to process. So we said, what can we do? How are we going to approach this? So we took some time. We took a deep breath. That helped us get through the end of the school year. And then just really collaborating with our professionals in the organization. So over the summer, we created a task force within our school district of over 40 different positions within the district to talk about moving forward with distance learning, what it would look like, what were the concerns, how were all these different positions in our district going to contribute to the education of our students and the relationship and engagement components. So we did that over the summer. We met several times and the outcome of that was our our current instructional model, which is what we're doing right now. I think that was a win. And I really do feel providing a menu of options for teachers is a win. You know, putting as much stuff out there for teachers to grab instead of directing, forcing, or challenging them to do certain things, Mm -hmm. I think was really important. Time is of the essence. You know, we just don't have enough time in our lives to learn all the things we need to learn. So giving teachers choice of how to use their time and what they felt they needed to learn, I think was also a win for us. I love hearing about those wins. We have the benefit of hindsight. We've been in this for about six months now. And, and I want to leverage your expertise and, and insights that you've learned and really to get at the heart of the question that was posed by this podcast, which was, do you believe that educators can build meaningful relationships with their students, even from a distance? So six months into it, what would you say? I would say absolutely yes. I think what I would suggest to all of us is to rethink what relationships are. One of the hardest pieces to wrap our mind around is this is different. And so I keep um, sharing that with all the different, you know, within all the different conversations I have is, you know, take what we used to do and realize that what we're going to do is different, but the heart and goal and philosophy of what we're trying to achieve is the same. We want to build relationships with our kids. We want to stay connected. We want them to be engaged in learning, but we can't do that by patting them on the back, literally in a classroom. You know, we can't do that by walking through the classroom or circulating like we normally do. But how can we do that? So think of it differently. Find a new approach. Find a way to create a silver lining in your classroom while you're digitally engaging with your students. What are some of those new opportunities you can have with those kids that you're facing every day that looks different but has the same goal in mind? And that's where we've seen success. When teachers say, you're right, you know what, we need to throw out the idea of what we used to see as relationship building to what we can do in relationship building and create that and chase that while we're in distance learning. And I think if we can wrap our minds around that, we we can continue to keep our kids near and dear to our hearts. Mm -hmm. It's building those relationships. I love it. 
Um, you spent a second looking backward. Now I want you to take out your crystal ball and <laughs> look into the future, right? So how, how do you think that virtual schools are going to evolve now? And even in the future, maybe when the pandemic eases, what, what will it look like? Well, and I think there's definitely a future for virtual schools. And in our arena here in California, no, we, we have um, had virtual schools for uh, I would say the last 20 years, there's been several out here. Um, you know, they're not everywhere. They had not been in every school district. I'm in Orange County, again, California. Uh, we have 27 school districts in our county. And when I first started out here, we had uh, two school districts that had full, what we considered full virtual academies. Now all of us have it. Um, and they're going to be sustainable. You're going to see that families and students who may have in the past not been as engaged or, you know, connected to school because of their emotions, their thought process, their operate, their personal, you know, their personal um, operationalizing of education and how they learn didn't work in a regular classroom. We'll love being at home and having this flexible learning environment. We have always seen this in our continuation schools, our alternative education settings, because we know that there's always been a group of students who prefer a different learning environment. And we've, we have used Apex in that environment. We've used that flexible learning environment in the past. And that's been very successful for that group of students. But what I'm seeing is you're going to have a group who's going to enjoy this and they're going to want to hold on to it. And so in Brea, we, um, we did form our own online academy. Um, we, we created a 10th school and we are committed to moving forward with that in perpetuity because I know that I'm going to have a group of students who'll want this as their, as their education moving forward. All right. So now we're going to look really far into the future. And what what do you think the impact of this new model of, of learning is going to be like for our students or adults or educators? This has created probably one of the most positive disruptions in our system, probably since I would say the industrial um, revolution, when we you know educated kids back at the turn of the century, back from the 1890s to the 1900s. If you really think about what has happened to us, we have had to, at the drop of a dime, boom, change what we do. You know, we didn't have the time to say or methodically think through and design some, you know, learning system that we thought we could use. We all had to stop, drop, and change. And while that was difficult for many, this has created a huge level of innovation for teachers. Um, and for students to be able to access learning in a different way that still meets the same goals. I believe moving forward, this has had a huge impact and it has been positive. We've seen good things come out of it. We've seen, you know, again, going back to that SAMR model, we've seen teachers modify and redefine mm -hmm. the work that they typically do. And it came out even better. Kids grabbed onto it even more so. And so it's, and we are in a, and have been in a digital and technological age for quite some time. And education has, by its very nature, just kind of lagged behind other industries just because we have a different type of customer that we deal with. But this has proven to show that we can do this. And there are some big wins and silver linings in this. And there is going to be a market for schools and students to move forward with virtual learning in a way that we never imagined. 
And it's so exciting. Carrie, I want to thank you for joining us today. Just the fact that you started the conversation by pointing out that the, the goal of education is to build relationships and educate our students. I, I just, I so appreciate that. And I know that the students and families and parents of your community appreciate that as well. So thank you for joining us. And thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure to speak with you. I know our listeners will be able to directly apply some of the things that you talked about today within their own districts. And as we are navigating this new way of learning, it's always beneficial to speak with experts who've been there, who have done it, and who has been just as effective as as you have. So thank you for sharing your expertise and insights. And Opportunity Thrives listeners, thank you for your time today. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would love it if you'd take just a minute of your time and share that feedback on our show by providing a review on either Spotify, iTunes, or whatever platform you're listening on. And you could please reach out to us with questions or comments at info at opportunitythrives.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we will see you next time.